and welcome to the Panther Podcast. I'm your host, Miss Finney, and we will be looking, diving deeper into nutrition throughout pregnancy. So that will include preconception, pregnancy, and after post-pregnancy. So I'm excited to get started. Let's go. As this class is titled Human Growth and Development, one of the most important things that we will study is how do we help to form a healthy embryo and fetus and ultimately our newborn baby. So even if it's not you that's carrying the baby, maybe you are father, maybe you are sister, maybe you are brother, whoever you are in the process of helping a loved one through their pregnancy, it is best that we are knowledgeable about what we need to eat, what we need to drink or avoid during this very special time. Let's go ahead and see where we are. So one of the most important things that you will ever consume during this time is folic acid, um, or you could hear it as folate. Adequate folic acid intake is necessary in order to prevent neural tube defects. Now, when you hear the word neural, you should think about the brain, and that's exactly what we're talking about here, okay? So we should consume 400 micrograms of folic acid at least three months before you get pregnant. This is why planning pregnancy is so important for us because this is actually something that is needed during that critical development period of those first nine weeks of pregnancy, which many people sadly do not even know that they are pregnant during that time. So it's very important, ladies and all of our listeners, that we have the correct nutrients if there's even a possibility of pregnancy. So the foods that we could consume, because we want to consume whole foods, of course, you can take prenatals and other vitamins under your doctor's orders, but whole foods is always the most bioavailable. So those foods would include oranges, orange juice, broccoli, spinach, strawberries, breakfast cereals like Total, anything that's going to have fortified nutrients in it. Hopefully during that time, listening to that list, you found one or two sources that you actually like. Remember that folic acid is going to be something that's going to prevent neural tube defects like spina bifida or anencephaly. So those two, I want you to make sure you note, star, highlight, put something by that because you're going to see that for the rest of our year. We're always going to reference back on that because I want you guys to know that. Okay, next up is calcium, one of our very important minerals. It's needed for bone development. It's recommended intake is 1,000 milligrams a day. Foods that we can have would be milk, yogurt, cheese, cheddar cheese in particular, kale, and broccoli. So if you're not a consumer of dairy, that's okay. And if you are of green vegetables, which you definitely should, kale and broccoli will be very high in calcium. Iron is important for energy, which I know a lot of us lack sometimes, and brain function. So we talked about how the neural tubes and how the brain is there with that folic acid, but we need to actually have that brain to be functioning. So iron is going to do that for us. Iron deficiency anemia, which a lot of us suffer with, um, can cause poor attention span, poor appetite, irritability, and a baby is more prone to infections with having not enough. Um, recommendations would be 18 milligrams a day. Foods would include meat, 
fish, poultry, and beans. I'll always have an option in here for you for those of us that might not eat meat. So you'll always have a vegetarian or vegan option. So iron is definitely needed for what? Brain function. You got it. Omega-3 fats. Okay. So we talked about our muthas and our pufas. This is one of them as as an unsaturated fatty acid. It's important for the fetus's brain structure. So you can see that there's a lot of things going on with your brain and that we would need even before we are pregnant. Remember, this is preconception we're talking about. So it's important for fetus brain structure. The recommendations is 1.1 grams a day. Foods that we can receive omega-3 fatty acids would be flaxseed, canola oil, walnuts, fish, and greens. Those greens just keep popping up. So remember, that was omega-3 fats. Zinc, another one of our very important minerals. Um, Important for fertility. So that's going to be something that we're definitely going to have to consider, especially those of us that might be older, or even if you have um, infertility that might run in the family, or even just um, if it's not running in your family, but we just never know as ladies what can go on when we're talking about reproduction. Reproduction enzymes are formed with zinc and normal growth process. Okay. Recommendations would be eight milligrams a day. Vegetarians are at a very high risk for deficiency because listen to these food sources, meats, chicken, lobster, salmon. So we're definitely going to be have to be careful if we are a vegetarian or a vegan um, that we supplement. We talk to our doctor to see what the best route for our intake would be. Vitamin A is the next one. We have a risk of an excess of vitamin A. So this is one that we could actually have. You want to write down an upper limit. There's not many of our vitamins and minerals that we would have an upper limit. An upper limit is meaning that you can actually get too much, which can have negative um, effects on the body. If you're taking acne medication like Accutane, it contains high dose of vitamin A. Do not consume vitamin A supplements that are over 100%. If you were to look at the back of your um, nutrition facts labels for um, your vitamins, you'd see that a lot of your supplements have over 100% for some of those things. They have 600%. You sometimes see 1,000%. And the reason why that is is because some of these vitamins and minerals are not so bioavailable. So they have to put an excess amount in them so that you can actually receive some without urinating it all out or binding to another mineral or vitamin. So you would not have an excess of those because they don't have an upper limit, but vitamin A definitely does. The recommendations is only 800 micrograms a day. We can get this from liver, egg yolks, spinach, carrots. So this is something that a lot of women consider whenever they are um, thinking about wanting to get pregnant is what's going to happen with my body and where am I able to have a healthy baby? Well, if you're underweight, meaning that your BMI is less than 18.5, more likely to have a smaller baby too early. If you have not enough body fat to produce those hormones too, and sometimes it's even harder to conceive. If you're overweight, meaning your BMI is over 30, you're more than likely to have a larger baby and have more and more likely to have complications. If you excessively exercise, and that could even be someone like me that is a marathon runner and I'm not um, in the underweight category um, nor overweight, but if you are excessively working out, so whenever I'm training for my marathons or half marathons or even um, an ultra, then that can have some, some type of delay or effect on your menstruation cycle. So you do have to be very careful with that. 
and making sure that's not exactly a time to start planning to try to conceive. Talk to your doctor again to see what the best option for you is. So now we have found out that we are pregnant. What do we need to know? How should we eat? Now, the part that's very obsessive with a lot of women is how much weight should I gain? I don't want to gain too much weight. I don't want to be fat. And you hear all these things, but you have to remember being a mother is a selfless act. So there is going to be weight that is gained, but it will not be excessive if we eat correctly and if we um, exercise as well. So if you don't gain enough weight, because a lot of people try their best to not gain all this weight, but if you don't gain enough um, increased risk of premature birth, we have increased risk of low birth weight for the baby, failure to initiate breastfeeding, which means that they can't latch on. And then um, you might have some later hypertension. So a lot of people think that that would be the opposite effect. If I didn't gain that much weight, I wouldn't have anything like hypertension, but that is not the uh, case here. For too much weight gain, you have an increased risk of complications in pregnancy and delivery, large for gestational age, um, the baby, and increased risk of um, macrosomia as well. So how much weight should you gain? Um, for an underweight person of a BMI of 18.5, you would need to gain 28 to 40 pounds, which would equal 1 to 1.3 pounds a week. If you have a normal BMI of 18.5 to 24.9, you would gain 25 to 35 pounds, which equals 0.8 to 1 pound a week. If you're already overweight, 25 to 29.9, you would need to gain 15 to 25 pounds, which is, would be 0.5 to 0.7 pounds. If you are obese, meaning that your BMI is over 30, you would still need to gain 11 to 20 pounds which would be 0.4 to 0.6 points, I mean, uh, 0.6 pounds a week. Now, here's the thing. If you notice, you're going to gain weight regardless. You need to gain weight. And not all of that is fat. Actually, very little of it really is fat whenever you start to um, eat correctly and the baby is growing. How many calories are needed during pregnancy? That's a big question. A lot of people start to say that you are eating for two and they forget that this is a small blastocyst embryo fetus. You are not growing a linebacker inside. So you don't need to eat like a grown man is literally sitting there with a knife and fork. For the first trimester, you don't need to increase your calories at all. The second trimester, we need an additional 340 calories a day. The third trimester is just 425 extra calories. Now that's talking about if you are, um, you have conceived one child. Exercise can be done moderately for at least two and a half hours per week. So you can still work out, avoid activities that put you at high risk for falling. So that would, or trauma um, to the abdomen. That means that you would not need to be kickboxing with other people, so sparring, I should say. Um, basketball, as much as I played basketball, I loved it, coached it, played it. Um, that's not a sport that would be that should be played during pregnancy, especially if you're high risk. Um, anything that has a higher risk for you falling, that's going to be something you want to avoid. So let's look at what the recommendations are for our foods during pregnancy. Carbohydrates are 50 to 65% of total calories, and they should come from these things. 
Um, and that, I mean, about 50 to 65 percent of total calories should come from carbohydrates of your diet, about 175 grams a day, low glycemic index foods. So that means foods that are not high in sugar, high GI foods increase fetal fat. And so that's also going to put you at risk of the baby at risk of high, type, type two diabetes. And then also for mom to have gestational diabetes. The recommendations for protein is an additional 25 grams a day. So that means ages 14 plus should have about 71 grams of protein a day. Good sources would be beans, poultry, fish, milk, and meat. Artificial sweeteners. Um, this is something that we need to look at as we've seen that aspartame can be harmful um, to the fetal brain. And so can it be harmful to adults as well. Sucralose, which another um, name for that would be Splenda. It is FDA approved. Saccharin, we know that there is some safety in question because it crosses the placenta. So that's sweet and low. And stevia, the safety of that is unknown. So word to the wise, I would stay away from it. And if you're going to need some sugar, I would have real sugar in moderation. Folic acid is back. It can cause neural tube defects if not having enough, which would be spina bifida and encephaly. Remember we said that those are the two conditions that happen to a baby whenever we're not having the folic acid in that first nine weeks, which is critical. Okay. Um, 600 micrograms is what we've increased. So we said 400 micrograms will come from supplements and 200 from food. So we definitely want to make sure we have enough of that. It does have an upper limit of 1,000 micrograms a day um, as well. So we want to be careful. Iron is 27 milligrams a day and 30 milligrams a day after 12 weeks, 60 milligrams a day if you're anemic. Um, anemia may cause lower IQ, motor skills, and attention deficit disorder. Choline, the good source for this one is liver and eggs. It's important for memory and learning. Alcohol, this is a big discussion that people have. Maybe I can just have one drink, maybe just a little bit. You should not drink alcohol during pregnancy. There's so many different theories and opinions about it. However, if you're wanting to do the best for your child, I would not risk it at all. You can wait to have that drink for your child to have the best future possible. Caffeine, we want to have less than 300 milligrams a day. Omega-3s are back. We want to have 1.4 grams a day and the foods will be fish, supplements, some eggs, and this is actually linked to higher intelligence, better vision, and more mature central nervous system. Omega-6s, um, you're going to want to be careful of this as well, as much as it's good for us, but we find this a lot in fish, um, vegetable oils, but we've got to be careful about the fish because there is mercury in the water, and we want to have no more than 12 ounces of fish per week, okay? Now, Please make sure that you go back and review these things as you put into your graphic organizer and make some connections with these concepts. So what you're going to do with these things are creating meal plans for our, pre our mothers that have not conceived yet but want to have a child. And then we're also going to do a meal plan for mothers during pregnancy. Okay.